You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. The coronavirus pandemic, which has affected every aspect of life worldwide, has brought the awareness of personal health and well-being to the forefront of human consciousness. The crisis has also altered the path of how future wellness hospitality evolves across the world. While wellness tourism has been on the rise for the last several years, it's hit its stride this year as countries navigate the pandemic. While other facets of the tourism industry struggle to move forward, some resorts are seeing substantially higher booking rates compared to last year, with the most critical factors for success being drivability, wellness-centric amenities, and the perceived safety provided by remote destinations. Many travel industry experts believe for the affluent, seeking out sustainable, regenerative hotels and experiences will become a priority. One unique hotel group was already ahead of the curve. Since its launch in 1995, Six Senses has been one of the world's leading operators of top-tier luxury hotels, resorts, and spas with a globally renowned reputation for wellness and sustainability. And my guest today on The Luxury Item is Neil Jacobs, Chief Executive Officer at Six Senses. Neil oversees a portfolio of 19 resorts in some of the world's most desirable locations, from the Maldives and the Seychelles to Yao Noi in Thailand and Portugal's Douro Valley. And coming in 2021, the launch of Six Senses New York, its first urban hotel in the United States. Six Senses has been recognized through a host of industry awards and accolades, including Condé Nast Traveler, Travel and Leisure, Time Magazine, and Skiff, to name a few. With over three decades of executive experience in operations and development, Neil is one of the most well-respected leaders in the travel industry, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. Welcome, Neil. Thanks, Scott. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I'm so excited uh, to have a conversation with you. Now, you're in Singapore, and from what I understand, Singapore has been doing a really great job of containing the uh, coronavirus. Very true. I mean, we, we don't have any cases here right now and life is relatively normal other than the fact that the borders are still closed so i haven't left since march which is unusual for me yeah. to be in one place and uh but uh, i still have to do two weeks quarantine if i come back in a in a facility here so i'm not too crazy about that idea <laughs> i'm here for a while uh well, I have to congratulate you on Travel and Leisure. Um, the readers voted Six Senses, the number one hotel brand in the world for three years in a row from 2017 to 2019. You have to share, like, what's the secret sauce behind why luxury travelers love the Six Senses brand? Well, firstly, thanks for, for that. And uh, I mean, I think when we when we first won it the first year, we were we were probably as surprised as as many others as well. And, uh, you know, three years in a row, um, we, we, we were kind of pretty proud and the team were super excited about it. And, you know, it was the first time, according to, to Jackie at Travel and Leisure, that any one group had won it three times. But I think um, it's very much about, you know, the values of the company, honestly. I, I, I mean, pretty honest about what we do and, and, and the content that we have uh, within the properties. Uh, it's pretty healthy, the living, but I think more than anything, it, it was to do with our 
our values of, of wellness and sustainability and, and that people are just compelled to kind of move in those circles and the takeaways that they want from you know a, a luxury hotel experience are perhaps different to what they were 10 or 20 years ago and and, and i think and we'll probably talk a lot about wellness and sustainability but that's a big driver of our success we believe with uh, with travel and leisure yeah but it's it is but there's something about the brand itself that must resonate with these travelers because there are a lot of luxury resorts around the world in remote locations. Um, some talk about wellness, which we'll get into a set in a second, but it, what is it about the brand that connects with these, uh, these travelers? I think, you know, our take on, on luxury is very much about less is more. So we're, we're pretty understated as luxury hotels go, you know, the, the way they look, the way they feel, the way we operate them. We're definitely not about, you know, crystal chandeliers and polished marble. Um, they're very organic. They're very, they're very truthful in their, in their intent, if you like. And, and uh, I think that really resonates with, um, a certain type of traveler today that that is kind of no longer so interested in in anything that's a bit overstated or anything that's dare i say ritzy and uh, our approach to sustainable construction and and uh, design and the materials that we use um, really do resonate with with our psychographic you like so I, I really believe that's um a huge part of it the term wellness is so overused and abused these days you know when you hear a wellness hotel you think a luxury hotel with a really nice spa or fitness center how does six senses define wellness and how is it ingrained in its culture well you know i, th I think first of all i need to answer that talk about wellness travelers a bit you know because there are two there are two types of of wellness traveler and and, and the primary traveler is is the person that goes to a destination spa such as you know miraval or canyon ranch or, or or what have you that are there for very very um designed programs and packages and and so on. And then the secondary traveler is somebody that, you know, wants to know that there's a really nice spa and, and they'll they'll go there and, and, and they'll do a few treatments and so on. We are somewhere in the middle. Purposely, we're not in the destination spa business, but we do want to offer a, a content and programming that that is much deeper than what would typically be the case in a for, for you know in a property where you get the secondary traveler our approach to wellness is is extremely layered so although we're not preachy about it you can go as deep as you want to go or you can do very little and you know the, the possibilities are there from full days and, and and what we call reconnection days or wellness days um or you can do nothing and just lie on the beach. But even by doing nothing, 
the food that you eat, the environments that you're in, the materials that are used to build the hotel are, are way healthier than would be in most properties. Or if you want to be on a sleep program or, or an eat with six senses program or, or our version of anti-aging, you can do that as well. So it's really about giving the customer or the guest a huge amount of choice to do as much as they're comfortable in doing or as little as they wish to do. What role does content play? I know Sixth Senses turns out a lot of content. You have these uh, wellness innovation team. Well, we are very focused on, on, on staying ahead of the curve and, and really trying to roll out new programming every year so that there's always new initiatives and, and, and new things for our guests to try. You know, for example, I, I, I mean, last year we took a look, you know, we've always been pretty focused on, you know, Asian healing arts. I mean, we, we, we do a lot of traditional Chinese medicine. We, 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 we do a lot of Ayurveda um, in, in many of our properties, but, you know, in, in 2019, we took a look at energy medicine and it was something that we were very interested in, but, but you know, hadn't done a lot of. So our head of wellness ended up going to Northern, uh, Anna Bjorstam, who has been my partner in the business for eight years or so. She ended up going to uh, Northern Chile and working with a, a really well-known shaman and, and over the months kind of be has become a, a card-carrying shaman. So we've introduced a whole bunch of energy programs that, um, you know, are not so common uh, uh, around, uh, around the wellness uh, properties. So we did that. This year we've just launched, um, literally this week, actually, uh, the press release went out around uh, what we're doing around reconnection and wellness days themselves and, and rituals, which we believe uh, have a role to play in, in, in wellness. And, and um, you know, each property has come up with a number of their, their own days. And these could be programming for four or five hours or the whole day. But the goal is to try and... Um, deepen and broaden the wellness offering, make it more accessible. But again, not having people uh, be obliged to commit to say three or four days of intense activity when perhaps, you know, the couple or, or the family may just want to be together and, and, and take it easy. And, and, and particularly in this, as we move into a post-COVID world, I mean, everyone's talking about reconnection now, and, and we believe very strongly. And in fact, it's been our mission as a company right from the beginning. We, we, we talk about connection and reconnection. Those programs, if you like, are, are the content for this year. And the wellness innovation team do very little other than kind of sit around and think, okay, what are we going to move into? What do we need to develop over the next uh, 12 months or so? How do we continue all the time to enhance um, our offering? Well, that's, I mean, that's pretty unique for a hotel. 
It is. I mean, you know, I mean, we are in the hotel business for sure, but um, obviously we have we have some wonderful hotels. But I was talking about this earlier today. I, I also consider that we are a wellness company. We're not just a hotel group that does wellness. It's 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 way too important for us, and it's so deeply embedded into uh, the DNA of the organization. Um, and, and as I said earlier, I, I believe that and our approach to sustainability is really what differentiates us from, um, from, from some of the very good competitors that, that, uh, we, that we're up against all the time. You know? Yeah. So how, how do you look at sustainability when it comes to building and designing your resorts? Well, it, it forms pretty much every, every decision we make, you know, and, and we, it, it's, it's very much a part of our standards. So when, when owners come to us and say, we want to build the six senses, you know, the first thing we do is talk about sustainability and wellness and what that means to them and the, and potentially the business, but also what it means in, in terms of the development of the property and how they're built and the kind of spaces that we need. So we, we have very, very deep technical standards around, around both platforms. And uh, we will know early on in a negotiation if a potential owner really shares our view of, of, of both those, um, both those functions. And, and if they don't, the likelihood is that we probably won't do the deal. But then when it comes to sustainability, it's there's, there's construction standards, there's designation, all our properties need to be at a minimum of uh, a lead silver or lead silver or equivalent, um, ideally gold, actually, that's really what we ask for. Um, and the materials that are used need to be healthy. It's also where wellness and sustainability actually meet. There's a sweet spot. So it's important for us to uh, do healthy buildings that are then sustainable at, at the same time. So it's very much, you know, materials, natural materials, uh, local materials, um, alternative sources of energy, how we handle how we handle water and so on. So that's all around the development side of things. And then from from an operating perspective, you know, I, I, I mean, we haven't had plastic in the properties for 20 years, you know, I, I mean, there's amenity bottles have never been plastic. Uh, mm -hmm. You know the whole straw thing which everyone's making a big fuss of now well you know that doesn't it's never really existed with us um we have something called an earth lab so we uh, you know we we recycle we compost we grow our own food um so from an operating perspective you know there's no plastic water bottles uh, we do our own water. You won't, you can't get a Perrier or a San Pellegrino at a, a Six Senses because we we don't want to be shipping water around the world. You know, right. so some people get irritated by that, but most don't because they they understand that 
it, it's very important to us and that's part of our belief set. And then there's the outreach, you know, the community stuff. So we're very involved in the community. You know, half a percent of our revenues are allocated to sustainable initiatives, regardless of uh, what, uh, you know, how much that is. Um, it, it just goes into a pot, is spent locally at the properties. And, um, uh, you know, that's also a commitment and very unusual for, for hotel groups to, um, to do that. But it's not negotiable. You know, if an owner says, no, 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 I don't want to do it, then I, and we tend to say, well, you, you kind of have to do it if you want us, because everyone else does it, and I, I can't have one hotel not do it, and it's, not, it's just not right. So the integrity around our sustainability practice is, is, is very high, actually. You know, I was, I was reading an article recently where you were talking about when you took the helm of Six Senses, it was a 2012, you said, you know, the whole world of luxury hotels was becoming homogeneous. And my own yeah. passion was wellness. And here was a group that was small and had a potential to become global with a DNA that resonated with me on a personal level. So what did you see in Six Senses at the time that showed untapped potential and a way to make money? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I, I mean, I came from, you know, the world of Four Seasons and, and, and 15 years and, and private equity. Um, and, uh, you know, there was just something about Six Senses and, and, and having, you know, I lived in Asia for a long time with Four Seasons. So, you know, knew uh, Six Senses very, very, uh, intimately you know they were around the corner to us right. and there was just something very special about them and, and had been for years and and they, particularly in, in sustainability probably more so there than in than in wellness they were much stronger and they were doing things before anyone was was talking about it and and it it resonated to me and and just on very deeply on a on a personal level and and although i'd spent most of my career in in some gr in gr great companies and great luxury groups i was just kind of feeling that it wasn't enough anymore and there needed to be another there needed to be a greater purpose in doing what we were doing and and i saw that opportunity in six senses and um you know that it was a group that back then was really just in southeast asia but i saw the potential that to to take it globally um and and you know had the opportunity to um to uh, be part of the acquisition of six senses by a group out of new york and uh, who really really cared about the planet and cared about wellness and that was only that's all they invested in um and um so we had great support behind us to really explode those two platforms and, and really take them much further than had had been done in the previous uh 15 years or so so and and to take the group global at the time as i say we were just in southeast asia but the goal was very much to make it a global platform, which we achieved over 
over the last eight years, actually. You know, I imagine you put a lot of thought into the development design of each hotel, you know, not only culturally sensitive to the regions, but maintaining sustainable practices. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, each hotel, I mean, we're never going to have hundreds of hotels. That's just not the way it is. And that's the, you can't, at, at the level of the market where we function, it's impossible to do that. So it's really about one hotel at a time. And often people ask, you know, how many hotels do you want? How many will you have? But, and you know, and I have to answer that, but, it, but it's never, uh, it's never about how many. And as, as long as the next hotel is as good or better than the ones before, and that we can continue to innovate and, uh, you know, get creative and, 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 and increase what we do in wellness and, and, and really involve all our, we call them hosts, all our employees in, in, in sustainable practice and have them believe really believe what they're doing. I mean, we've, we've done our job and that in itself will drive growth. Um, I mean, you know, I was talking to our development guys this morning and, and you know, in arguably this year is the worst year in my career ever in our business. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we've signed eight new management contracts this year, which for a company with, you know, 18 operating hotels, it's a lot of, it's a lot of deals to sign in, right. in, in the worst year ever. And I really believe that that's in, in big part, a result of our position on sustainable practice, because the train has left the station. You know, five, 10 years ago, it was a bad word and everybody, oh, it costs too much and is it worth it and so on. But thank goodness that's changed and, and, and people have, have, have bought into it and it's not going backwards, that's for sure. Yeah, and you seem to work with both, you know, world-renowned architecture firms, you know, like the Angles and some up-and-coming up firms to design your properties. So how do you select an architect who can translate Sixth Senses brand, and are there are there certain core values that each project must adhere to? Yeah, very much so, and 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 particularly around sustainability. I mean, I mean, you talk about Biarca. I mean, the first time I met Biarca was um, probably fifteen or so years ago. At at um, maybe even longer, actually, at the TED Global Conference that took place then in, in Oxford in, in England. And he, he got up on the stage and talked about his vision of the world and vision of you know, cities of the future and the sustainability thing. And I, from that moment, I need to work with this guy. He's, he's way ahead of where yeah. we are, you know, and, and it's been, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. And he, since then he's become like one of the, the greats back then he wasn't so well known but today i mean he is what he is we also have had the fortune good fortune of working with um, kengo kuma who's kind of the equivalent out of japan who who also just 
totally believes in sustainability and sustainable construction and 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 uh, materials and so on. So unless they really, you know, feel it, and 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 our value set resonates with them. Again, it's just probably not going to work. So we, we tend not to go down that road because it becomes too hard. You know, we don't expect everyone to be experts in those two fields, but, but we do expect them to care about it. You know, if they care about it, we can work and, and help and guide and because, you know, we have a ton of people that that's all they do. But if, if it doesn't resonate with them, then what's the point? Then we'll, we'll go somewhere else. And it won't work out well. They'll get frustrated with us and, and we'll be the vice versa, you know. Is it a long interview process when you speak with architects? <clears throat> well, it, it is. I mean, we, we, we need to get to know each other. We do a very long orientation to them on what the brand is and what it stands for and so on. So, you know, it can be can be a few weeks before, you know, if we talk to two or three architects for a specific project and then, you know, how much do they cost? Then you've got the commercial piece of it, but more it's about what do they feel, you know, and and what does a site say to them? And, and you know, we're very much about keeping things just very natural. And, and, and flowing and, and, as I said earlier, understated and beautiful and well-designed. I mean, we've evolved, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we were much more rustic than we were, than we are today. Mm-hmm. You know, and the early six senses were, <clears throat> you know, you kind of Robinson Crusoe-like and, and very, very, very rustic. So we've changed that because we think the customer, the guest has changed and, you know, things need to be more designed and a little more refined than perhaps they were back then. But that still doesn't detract from what materials we use and keeping things very natural. I would just say that perhaps they're a little bit more sophisticated than they were 10 years ago, but, but still with that same focus on, on materials used, where they come from, provenance, and, and, and keeping things very natural. Yeah, and most of Six Senses resorts are located in these exquisite and remote locations. So in the initial outbreak of the pandemic, did you have to close many resorts? I can imagine everything was moving so fast and changing by the day. Yeah, I mean, sadly, we closed everything um, very quickly and then dealt with the fallout of that and all the, you know, labor issues and, and, and legislation in 20-something countries that we were dealing with, which we were everything, you know, each country is different, obviously. So right. today... Um, we're open. We, we shut everything probably and started closing end of April um, and started opening again in uh, August. I think it was well. Vietnam opened before then, right. but um, today Bhutan is still closed. Um, 
Fiji is closed. Uh, Cambodia is closed. That's it. We have we have three that are still uh, still shut. And you know we we did have a bunch of properties that were going to open this year, and they've all been delayed, which right. is probably not a bad thing. And not wouldn't have been a great idea to open in a new hotel in COVID. Uh, even though, our, you know, our property in Israel, for example, in the Sixensis Shaharut in the Negev Desert has been ready since April. And we, we, we chose not to open it for, for obvious reasons. How, so, how have the levels of business been since uh, the ones that you have reopened? Vary, depending where we are. I, I, I mean, China is doing extremely well. Vietnam is doing well. Thailand, less so. Um, we did well in Portugal the last few months. We've just closed that now for a couple of months to do some improvement work during the winter. Um, you know, we were very hopeful on, uh, for a great season in Courchevel. Um, but now, you know, that all the ski mountains in France have, won't open until the end of January now. That was announced a couple of weeks back and uh, restaurants don't open until after Christmas. So, you know, the key here is to be, you have to be nimble because the the rules change every day, you right. know, and keeping up with what's going on in so many countries uh, is, is not simple. Yeah, uh, yeah, just navigating the challenges of yeah, every country. I know. I know. But uh, we got good people, and we 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 move we move pretty fast, so that's helpful. But it's certainly been hugely disruptive to to our employees' lives, and you know that's that's the heartbreak of it. But yeah, we're, get, we're getting through it. We're getting through it. What shifts in uh, guest expectations and demands are people having now? The ones that are starting to come back. That's interesting. I, I mean, it, it's a little early to, to but I, I, what we're sensing is that, you know, whereas in the past people may have gone on a trip and stayed at two or three places, I think that's, that's not happening as much anymore and people will stay longer and, and in one place and they don't want to move around. They're mindful of health and safety, obviously. Although I think at our level of the market, there's there's a huge amount of trust that we're going to do the right thing and keep the place clean and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, but they want to know that, um, that we are doing what needs to be done um, in, in that area. Now, fortunately, in most of our properties, because um, they're, they're spread out, that we, we don't really have hotels in hotel type buildings, you know, so. Yeah, so social distancing is really not yeah, much of an it's issue. It's already built in and, and you know, probably 80% of our hotels are warm weather. So restaurants are outdoor. And right. You know, if there's anything that the pandemic accelerated, it's the importance of well-being, particularly yeah. how we live and work and travel. And after months of living like this, there's been a huge realization that there has to be a better way to build a future that's more fulfilling, more empathetic and more sustainable. So do you think coming out of this crisis will be, you know, will focus on a future with wellness at the core? Well, I think, and, you know, as I, tell my teams and, and, and 
uh, you know, our travel agents and travel partners. I, I mean, for us, it, it was relevant pre-COVID, but it's even more relevant now for all the reasons that you you've just mentioned. And and you know, I I, I think people are much more mindful and circumspect about some of this stuff. I think it's had people go inward perhaps more than they typically would. And uh, we see an increase in, you know, meditation classes and, and yoga and, and, and people are being more thoughtful about everything. And, and some of these programs that we've come up with in our reconnection day, days, you know, are, are based around empathy and, and, and gratitude and, and can get a little spiritual if, if one wants. And uh, I actually believe and that one of the results of uh, this pandemic is that people are kinder to each other than perhaps they were in the past. And, uh, you know, Political issues aside, I, 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 we, we sense that's the case and people are talking to each other more and being more helpful to each other. And, and, and that, is a, that is just a good thing. Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think that's a positive piece that is coming out of COVID, you know? You know, so if wellness and sustainability is, since its inception of success has been really the two primary pillars, so how do you broaden and deepen something that's already, you know, you're doing so well? And are there any new offerings and concepts that you've been testing? Well, as I say, the, the, these, these, the, the reconnection programming that, that a lot of the properties have, uh, have come back together with and, and, you know, taking a deeper dive into the spiritual side of things, the, the energy piece that, that I had, uh, mentioned earlier on or the energy medicine approach is is pretty new a lot of you know the two you know it's interesting that the two um, huge causes of illness that are really problematic and one has been around a while and another is now getting a lot of press and you know, is, is is loneliness, which is really impacting people's well-being, particularly in 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 the cities, and and mental wellness, which um, during COVID has become even more uh, marked in, in in terms of how many people are suffering. So we we have dived into programs uh, around the brain and we have neuroscientists and, and that work with us and, 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 and are trying to put together in the past and continue to work on, um, you know, programs that we, we call around brain beauty and, and, and around manipulating the brain in, in, in a positive way and ways of thinking and, and, and behaving that really, um, can make a difference to your state of mind 
and how you perceive your life. And I know that starts to get a little deep and it's not what everybody wants to get into if you're going on a 10 day vacation somewhere, but some, some people do. So going back to my point earlier on about having a layered approach to wellness and, and doing as, as much or as little as you want. But I think you're gonna see, particularly with us, uh, a much deeper uh, approach towards mental well-being uh, as, as we move into next year and the year after. One of the things that impressed me was early on in the pandemic, since Six Senses launched this at home with Six Senses program, where you had wellness experts from around the world, you know, offering tips and tools for stay-at-home customers through video tutorials and recipes and workouts, et cetera. So do you see this program being a mainstay long-term, even when people start to travel again? Because to me, when I saw this, uh, this seems like a great way to impact your customers between stays. Yeah, I do. I, I, I do, Scott. And, you know, we, we got into it by default and, you know, however good we are at some things, we weren't very good when it came to digital and, and consequently we we put the, the content together very quickly. Um, it was not not produced as such. It, it was very raw, but uh, we, we went out within about five or six days of things shutting down and we're doing, you know, yoga classes from our head of yoga's living room in North Delhi to, uh, I don't know, all, all kinds of things from, from all over the world. And, and the reaction to it um, w was amazing, actually. We, we, were, we were shocked. And then and that was called At Home with Six Senses. And then we started something called Friends of Six Senses, where we pretty much had our own talk show and Anna, who I've mentioned before, who runs wellness, was, was interviewing just a whole array of really interesting personalities who were, were doing interesting things in wellness and sustainability and, and so on. And, and the commentary we got was that people, it resonated with people because it was so raw. And we were told, you know, don't go and overproduce these things as you right. move forward. So I, I, I think we are going to produce them a little bit, but the, the one decision that we made is that, is that we absolutely want to keep it going. Um, and and we, we've gone away, or I'd say away from wellness, but we've gone into all kinds of things now because it, it, it can go way beyond just, just wellness and, and what we're doing in sustainability and its activities. It's, uh, you know... It's, it's learning of all kinds of things uh, that uh, that we can do. We're even looking at perhaps having, you know, chefs work with people to do dinner parties on, mm -hmm. on you know, and, and help them cook through things as they prepare the food. I mean, there's a lot of interesting ideas that are, that are coming out of the innovation team, but it's definitely here to stay. Do you, do you see yourself uh, ramping up digital strategies moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, you're, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you're located in the most Instagrammable locations in the world. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, so very much so. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we had you know, a hiring freeze 
going on um, over the past few months, just uh, because of, of the lack of business. But the one area where we've said, no, we really need to beef up our resource is, is in the area of digital and, um, and social, actually. We need to get a bit yeah. better at, at social media. And, and, and we're not bad. And um, we run a social media academy every year for uh, participants from all the properties. But um, it's really, really become so scientific now. And you just got to be ahead of that curve. So that's where we're recruiting in those two areas. So what are some of the important things that you've learned from this crisis over the last nine months when it comes to your guests, your employees, partners, and even the local communities where your resorts are? It's very humbling, you know, the, the whole experience has been very humbling because we, we do work in, uh, in the developing world and, and some of our places you know, people are not paid huge amounts of money. But um, what's become very clear to me is that we, we are very much a family. And, uh, and I think because of our size, it's maybe perhaps easier to do, but because of our approach to what we care about, which, which also kind of moves into, I mean, wellness is not just for our guests. It's also about what we do for our, our hosts. And we have a very complex um, employee wellness program called Mission Wellness. And, 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 you know, we're all doing a lot of stuff together to keep ourselves well and, and, and sane. And, and I think what that does is it, it brings that group much, much closer together. So the commitment from people, um, the pulling together during the hardship where everyone's been on reduced pay and, you know, just like everybody else in the world, but, and, and the absolute need to communicate as a leadership group often and very transparently to all of our hosts. I mean, we're, I don't know, between four and 5,000 hosts around the world, including the corporate group. And uh, we're trying very hard to talk to them all the time. You know, we, we talk to our general managers together um, once a week now, and we never did that before. You know, the leadership group, corporately speak three times a week now. We never did that before. And, and that's been a great learning for me, you know, as to the impact of that connection and communication has just made us so much stronger and, and makes it really kind of heartwarming. You know, millions of travelers have postponed long haul air and travel till next year and beyond. However, it appears that luxury travelers are more optimistic, making plans and holding on to those reservations made pre-coronavirus. Are you seeing this kind of resilience among your customers? Um, has there been this strong save rate on customers keeping their reservations? Yeah, they have. I mean, the challenge has been, I mean, the bookings are there, but 
the problem is is the bigger problem is transportation and and open borders you know and and as it said before the, the rules change so often that um with all the goodwill in the world you know there there have been a good number of cancellations because people not because of lack of desire but just because people can't get to us you know and and uh, that's the bigger problem but when they can and 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 we too we are super optimistic about the future and we think our segment of the market is 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 going to be the first to return um uh, the the demand is is strong is very pent up and people just want to want to go away and go to places where they're comfortable and safe and perhaps can contribute and and learn something you know yeah and it seems like luxury travel will now have you know will be about this balancing industry standards of safety with mm -hmm. satisfying guest experiences and it seems the definition of luxury is going to have to expand to things like trust and flexibility and safety yeah. these yeah. these qualities will remain paramount for the foreseeable future do you agree i do i do and uh as I say, I think at our level of the market, people generally do trust. The expectation is high, uh, you know, but if you can't provide a, a hygienic kind of clean environment, you know, you have, we, we have bigger problems, but uh, that's what we've got to do. And, and uh, we've got to give people reasons and, and we've got to make sure that they leave and go home um, in a better place than when they arrived. And that's very much the goal uh, and, and what everyone works to. What is in the cards now for Six Senses? I, I know, you know, some, uh, some properties have been on hold in terms of reopening. I'm sure some developments have been put on hold. And I know you're planning to open the Six Senses in Chelsea here in New York City in 2021, you know, by the High Line, which I'm very excited about. Uh, it's the brand's, I think, first hotel in North America. So first of all, what can we expect from... Um, the New York City property that's very different. Well, um, it, it, it's uh, it's beautiful from a from an architectural perspective. It, it was Bianca Ingalls who designed it. It's two towers. Yeah. Um, one is is residential. One is half resi residential and half hotel. We're on both the High Line and on the Hudson, so we've got the the water views and, and, and the bridge too. But I think, um, and it, it's been designed by, the interior is a, a wonderful group out of um, Paris called Gilles Boissier. They in fact did, uh, I was part of the group that built uh, the Baccarat Hotel in, and they did that for me. Nothing, successes will be nothing like that, but, but a great aesthetic. And uh, they've really helped us translate uh, a Six Senses resort ethos into, you know, one of the, if not the most sophisticated city in the world. So we're super excited about the design. It'd be very different to anything else in the city. But, but the big deal is that we have an amazing spa, which not so many properties in New York have. It's about a 15,000 square foot spa with our version of... Uh, modern day bathhouse and, and some really cool wet <coughs> wet circuits in there and we're doing a club it will be the first ever 
um, club that we do called Six Senses Place, um, which is very much a social club. But I took about a private club. So do you have to? Yeah, do you membership. Have to, okay, yeah. so you could, can you be a member of the club without? Uh, so you don't you have to, you don't have to be staying there. You don't have to no, have a residence. No. In fact, on the contrary, I, I, I think that most people there will not be hotel guests. Right. You know. So like a Soho club kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Soho uh, house, Soho house. Soho house. But yeah, a little more upscale and and way more wellness. And, um, you know, in in fact, the main ethos of the club will be around having fun, but with a very, very strong wellness uh, content to it and, and practitioners there and the club. So you can go on the programs. And I mean, we see that as, as being essential and as a way of connecting the dots between our, our resorts and, and doing these clubs in, in the few urban locations where we're going to do hotels. Um, that, you know, when you, when you come back from Vietnam or Turkey or wherever to London or New York, that you can continue what you were doing in the resorts in an urban environment um, and on a more regular basis. So we're kind of excited about the stretch, I call it a brand stretch if you like, but into an area that we think is very relevant today. And again, more so than pre-COVID um, in, in these gateway cities. Yeah, when is the schedule to open? 21. Well, I'm hopeful we'll open end of next year. Yeah. Or open great. the hotel. The club may be a little bit longer, but I mean next year will be pretty busy for us because we will we've taken over a, um, a new little hotel uh, outside São Paulo in uh, in Brazil. That will be the first new Six Senses for next year, and then we will open in Israel um, in the Negev Desert in. Uh, uh, soft open March, April. Um, we'll open in Ibiza in Spain in um, midsummer, probably June, July. Um, Rajasthan in India, um, a restoration of a beautiful old fort. That's probably September, October. And then hopefully finish the year with New York. Any new travel trends you see emerging? really just more mindful travel and not not the travel frenzy that's been there in the past and and uh, I think there are new some new destinations I think uh, you know somewhere like Iceland for example I mean we I, I think the sustainable travel or what's being now called regenerative travel you no know, is I mean it's subtle the difference but I think that's what it's about. And when I say, I said earlier, people want to go home in a better place. I think that's kind of what we mean by regenerative travel, that there really is a, a big takeaway from it. You, you, uh, there's learning and, and you just feel better when you get home. So Neil, my final question, which is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. <laughs> if you were stranded, on a deserted island, and you could only have one luxury item, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of transportation or anything that requires mobile service. 
Yeah. You're just there on this deserted island and you have one luxury item with you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer that in a slightly different way because what's happened to me personally, I mean, quite a bit's happened to me personally during COVID, but one of my big things is that I, I rediscovered cycling and I'm currently doing, I don't know, a couple of hundred kilometers a week um, on, on my bike uh, around Singapore. And, and one of the things about it for me is that I, I get into a zone and it's almost like a, a walking, you know, people do walking meditations or right. silent meditations. I get into that same zone on my bike and it's quite extraordinary because I haven't been on a bicycle probably since I was 15. I thought what I really would want is a fantastic bicycle to cycle around this island <laughs> and get into uh, get into this stage or into this zone of meditative zone, which is, has proven to be very useful and, and, and healing for me. So there you go. Neil Jacobs, CEO of Six Senses. Thank you for coming on the show and happy holidays and good luck with everything in 2021. Thanks so much, Scott. A pleasure. That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.